record. We are recording. Uh, recording. Okay, okay. Again, white bars, red dance, movie mad lips. We make it rain with verbs and nouns. Play a funny pop like gold wave sound. Jerry's Deli got the nice cuts. Heard the bathrooms here are really nuts. Wayne's World 2 hypothesis. Only jokes, not politics. Wait, what? You hadn't seen that? White machete kill you with the baseball bat. Vietnam audience is growing bigger. That Kevin Smith liked us on Twitter. Sandy Bullock got run upset. Test of Ernie recommends the net. Brandis, why'd you do that thing? It's Peterson and the Rental King. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back for a tangent. A box office tangent, if you will. I am the Rental King. Welcome back to the show. This is the volume four of Box Office Tangents, uh, the new spinoff show by those two cinemasters you love. You know, you love, you appreciate, you listen to all the time. I'm sure I'm being told by my mom on a constant basis, like really cut it out, mom. It's embarrassing. I know how successful I am in Vietnam. You don't have to tell me. I have the tools. But this is a podcast. I digress. This is a podcast about tangents, like kind of like that. Just went off on a little tangent. Got a buddy you want to talk to, some movie-related thing you can't wait to talk to him about. Maybe you work in a mushroom, marshmallow mushroom, mushering. A marshmallow packing factory is what we work in. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> With my buddy, my co-host, Adam Peterson. Oh, say hello. Obakabi. Yeah, I did a little, <laughs> My little friend. I did a little mush mouth there to kind of go with what you were what you were oh, talking about. Oh like, man. I I really I'm saying say this I honestly don't know. Is it not, is it cool to still do the mush mouth like voice? Especially if you're white, I mean, we'll just say it. Um, you are a white broad. I am a white this. broad. See what yeah. I was doing, I wasn't mimicking the one from the fat albert i was the, i was mimicking sean patrick flannery in boondock saints who was doing it so i was oh, i was just i was dodged a bullet yeah i was no i wasn't doing that i was the, i was mimicking <laughs> a, a white guy who uh who did that voice you saw that question coming back at you so fast you look like neo dodging those yeah bullets. well i i uh, like, break it come at me bitch i'm ready i went full bullet time there <laughs> You did. Oh, uh, so, but we each try to bring a topic into this this conversation, this podcast, if you will. What is your topic of conversation since we typically switch? And I think I last episode I was talking about uh, fill in the blank here because I don't know how these are going to be released. But <laughs> <laughs> we we can do that. We can keeps it generic. Keep it. We can generic. Keeps it generic. Keeps it generic. Is going to be the first T-shirt. <laughs> That's merch. That's our merch. Keep That's it generic. Our official <laughs> keeps it generic. We've literally just come up with a very generic slogan, uh-huh. <laughs> and are already That's hyping the merch. That's what you do on a podcast. Very. <laughs> hey, man, generic is my specialty. Yeah, it's what I do. A couple of white man. Brows. 
what so what is what is your uh topic that you're bringing to the table that i have no idea what it's gonna be well this uh, this is this is one <clears throat> i feel like it's i feel like it's kind of pertinent uh at least uh, it, in some ways it really is uh but uh i'll start i'll start kind of uh and, and spin it into what we're doing i i recently saw fast x uh last week okay um, and I, after I saw it, which I enjoyed it, I do, I, if you are a fan of the franchise, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about fast X cause I know you haven't seen it and I don't want no spoilers or anything. It's, right. it's, it's fun. I mean, it's outrageous. It's the same kind of thing that by the 10th installment you're expecting out of the fast and furious franchise. It's completely wild, but it's a ton of fun and I enjoyed it. So I highly recommend it. But at, at the end of the movie, I'm watching the credits waiting for any, mid post credit scene which there is a mid credit scene um okay i i texted you and i, I said this this script feels like it was written by ai <laughs> yeah i remember that and, that was really funny. and it's it's what i was like <laughs> and right now um uh, i think even even if there's some ambiguity as to when this episode comes out i think the writer's strike will still be going um i don't know that there's real uh end in sight presently for that to happen i i don't even know that they're talking i honestly yeah what whatever if there's some things going on in the background which i imagine there are talks going on i would hope so that you know the last yeah so people can get back to work and continue making things before uh i mean because you know like these movies these projects these you can't just leave them hanging. It costs money to leave that stuff hanging. So yeah, everything gets shut down. It's just costing everybody money. It's costing uh, the writers money because you know they don't have a job currently. It's it's costing the studio obviously money because they can't put anything out for people to buy. But you know, we're go on with your topic. I don't. Well, wanna, no, what I don't want to get going down too much of a tangent that's, about writers. That's strikes. that. Well, that's a big. That's I think that's a part, kind of a in tandem with where I originated. What I just in in uh, in wanting to talk about something is, uh, and this yeah. is. I mean, I'm sure it's a topic that'll come up, you know, here and there, anyways. But uh, just the idea of how what and what ways kind of the the concept of ai entering the world of movies uh, i mean i know there are some some facets that are already being used maybe not necessarily in writing but i've i've heard a few things recently about um some ai uh kind of digital effects that have been employed here and there just in cg oh, stuff really yeah stuff okay. where you kind of like the a lot of it's more just i mean it, it might be labeled ai but i think some of it's like if you've given the the predictive information and the CGI, like okay, we've created this universe, and it just kind of takes that amalgamation of information. Like okay, I can extrapolate what this looks like yeah. based on the information you've given, but kind of in a broad sense and bringing in some of that stuff because the writer strike is that's impacting the world of movies. As I say, the last I heard, I think was a day or two ago that because um, I know the WGA, the Writers Guild, um, they're uh, was they're looking for some solidarity with uh, SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, um, which I think may or may not be coming. It sounded like that could be because um, I know there's there's some things that have still gone into production. I, I when I uh, when things were first kicking off, I think a couple weeks ago when the when the writer strike first happened, the 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 uh, what I had first heard was there was about six months worth of 
projects that were completed that studios could uh, still film while the writer's strike is going on. So they weren't just total mm -hmm. hands tied. They could still do stuff. I know Deadpool 3 just went into production. Um, one of the things I've, I've followed is, you know, when Ryan Reynolds is one of the writers, uh, at, for the time being, is not allowed to ad lib, change the script, this or that on the fly. Sean Levy, who's directing, can make changes on the fly, though. So there's some of that's kind of funny how it works out. Um, but I know at the heart of the writer strike, one of the big things, you know, there's some stuff to do with streaming rights and how writers get paid. But a big component of it is the Writers Guild is really trying to keep AI out of Hollywood. Um, and I don't mm -hmm. know that that's possible, but I, mm -hmm. I figured, okay, uh, what's, what's our take on AI as it, uh, as it stands in the world and, and its juxtaposition to the world of movies and what we kind of, what we see, what we could see predictions, all, all that. So that's, that's my topic. That's AI a really and interesting topic that we may push that hour. <laughs> yeah a tad because i i am opinionated about yeah. ai in general uh now i'm just an old um gen xer uh you know used to being lied to don't expect a lot of truths from the government whatever you know like i'm just i'm of the gen x mold just to put that out there so you know who who i am <laughs> And I, but I'm a little more optimistic than the average Gen Xer, I would say. I don't walk around all dressed in black, kicking cans all day long. But, you know, I am going to see it or tell it like I see it for the most part. And when I see this AI, and I grew up with the science fiction-y version of AI, like the Terminator specifically, um, or, you know, you go into the Matrix and you, you know, you're tying it to movies and things. Um it all just felt for a very long time, like just too far off in the future to worry about. And then a couple of things started happening. Um, uh, one, you start seeing all those videos from Boston dynamics with those robot exoskeleton things yep. that are designed, like programmed to do some sort of automated task, but they're not just this robot arm attached to uh, a platform you know, these are free moving robots and they don't look anything like a person, but it's just, a, you get the feelings like it's really only a matter of time before we have just some sort of humanoid looking Android AI customer service like bot thing. You know, it'll start it, as it always does. It'll start in some places where people will just ignore like, ah, that's, they're not coming for my job. But it'll start there, and you'll start to see these things, and they'll become very convenient. And we will accept convenience for, like, should we? I feel like we always sort of give up some of that. Should we? For, like, more convenience. Yeah. Right? So, anyways, long story short, <clears throat> I am really worried about AI, and I'm especially concerned uh, that the one of the original godfathers of real AI, not just science fiction... Uh, who started back in the, I think he, I think he might have, forgive me if I'm wrong, or you can maybe fill in some blanks where I'm spotty, but sometime in the 80s, I think he wrote a book on AI, and it was laying out a lot of the, I guess, rules and things about it. 
and from his work he now he's he just recently stood stepped down from google because they were creating like their own uh ai technology to i guess and it's gotten really kicked into high gear because microsoft has that chat bot that chat gpt yeah kind of whatever which is amazes people and it is cool and i've tried it out but now google is seeing like oh shit we can't fall behind it's like the space race like we cannot go land on the moon now we have to do something but anyway so like that guy steps down at a, at a very pivotal pivotal time for ai he just excuses himself and goes we need to worry about ai because it is probably more of an imminent threat to humanity than anything global warming related is right now this this is evolving quickly and it's scary and you know i don't know what i'm saying out here i don't, I don't really get the feeling that he's like step in government or as people as a society we must say no or i don't know what he's truly really saying but he he did say that and but let me just back it up a little bit even though i do look at ai as a threat to humans and taking jobs and things like that i think what's available to um artists who write like you know screenplays or whatever and we're talking Hollywood, so, you know, your screenwriters, your script writers, whatever. Um, I don't see anything that's available tool-wise that's going to replace anyone right now. Most of the stuff I've seen, and if you, you know, things will pop up on my Instagram or Twitter. And there's one thing popped up called PseudoWrite, which was a, a thing like, you know, ChatGPT. And... They were on Twitter announcing the launch of this specific tool used for uh, writers who get stuck. You know, like if they're having like writer's block, then they're they're basically just taking parts of your story and it, it'll highlight things and it'll, you know, you feed it some information. That's another thing about AI. Like we have to feed it the information still. It's not like it learns on its own just yet. We still have to tell it what to do. We have to establish all of those parameters so that it actually spits out AI that makes sense. Uh, and I've tested it out. And sometimes like you just give it very few parameters and it's like a mess. But if you feed it like a bunch of really specific parameters, it'll impress you. Like it'll come up with a pretty interesting little story that you can read. And I think it's just because it's in its machine learning, it's AI learning. It's, you know, and nobody knows what, at least I don't know or haven't seen anything clearly defining what was fed to the machine to learn from. Like, were they taking famous authors? And that's when this pseudo right came out with this, uh, like, boasted this claim of they were working with over 100 authors. So anyway, atmosphere being what it is right now and heated. Anytime you have some sort of threat like this, the 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 political armies jump up on social media and they just attack them <laughs> viciously. You know, like, you're a piece of shit. You know, like, just this horrible, like, I guess, pro-writer, pro for the writers. I mean, they're just attacking viciously this, this company. And, uh, and then, like, the creators are like, we don't understand what is your problem. We're just, here's a tool. If you're a writer... You know, 
this can maybe help you get around. Like they're, they're just framing it as something that can help you get over humps, you know, not like write the whole thing. So that just goes to show you how serious AI is like, it's gotten attention fast. Like I was worried that AI might go under the radar a little bit and people will just sort of ignore it until it gets to the point of no return. And then we usually that's as human beings when we start to act <laughs> like, oh, it's at the Once point of no return. Late. We all, yeah, we all whip ourselves into shape and we, we turn it and the, and the Titanic just misses the iceberg, <laughs> you know, like, and humanity goes on. Um, but it with AI, I mean, it's people are I- including it. Like you said, I got the same sense that, you know, Yes, they're they're I, I think one of the big wins for the 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 writers in I think it was two thousand eight. Was that the last time or nine when there was a major strike? Yeah, something like uh, that. Yeah. Stoppage of work, like a hundred days or something. And one of the things was for royalties, I believe, you know. Yep. Like <laughs> uh royalties for some old shit though, like DHS tapes and maybe DVDs. Like it wasn't even uh, like with anything in mind to the future, like streaming, I guess. And yeah, I can see them going, Hey, streaming has been a huge, uh, thing for everybody here in the last five years. So let's, let's think about this because the last time we talked in 2008, Netflix might've been the only thing that was even around streaming wise, honestly. Yeah. That's right. I, I, my memory's fuzzy on that. Like when did Netflix stop being known for DVDs? Uh, and as a streaming service, uh, I'm, I'm going to say around the mid 2000s, perhaps uh, that's so how, about that 2008. Right. Yeah. By 2008, they're at least in the point where they're offering lots of just seasons of shows. Like, I feel like that's what Netflix was for a while, just a way to binge old shows that you hadn't had access to in a, in a long time. Does that, does that sound about that, right? Uh, yeah. You remember I think the early years of, I think that definitely tracks. Yeah, and then there's stuff like House of Cards came along, and that I feel like that was their first big prestige show. Like, oh, well, we should pay attention to Netflix, the company that used to ship you DVDs. And I bet they're laughing and being smug about it, too. Like, oh, that company that ships DVDs, they got a show, and it's got Kevin Spacey in it? Really? That sounds good. I, actually, I, yeah, I, think, man. I think they may have just recently stopped doing the DVD arm of uh-huh. their of netflix like people had no idea that that was still going but i think i think it may have just very I've, i was reading something not too long ago where i think they just discontinued the whole dvds by mail thing which is kind of wild to me okay. that they were still doing that that is kind of wild uh, but that feels about right you know i had long probably stopped getting dvds from them at that point um but you know <laughs> There was a time when that's what they were known for and that they that Blockbuster was the company running and catching up yep. trying to rent their trying to mail out their DVD offerings. And you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad service. In fact, it was superior in a lot of ways if you think about it because you could just return the movies at any Blockbuster and just go ahead and rent something else whereas with Netflix you still kind of had to wait for the mail to drop it off, pick it up. And they gave you those like next day air little envelopes, so it was speedy. But why did Blockbuster fail? 
because they were the second ones. All these other streaming services are just inevitably going to fail, and it's just going to be Netflix left. <laughs> well, and I think, and because I think that's that's kind of an interesting part of the fact that there's uh, like this two prong uh, issue right now with the writer strike, and that one of them being AI, but the other one being streaming services. Because it, again, it's when you, when you're looking at the progression of of how, especially since uh, since the Pandy Wandy, um, yeah. that we've changed significantly how we consume uh entertainment i mean to like one of the things that i you know i know what you mean when you say pandy wandy but can i just for a second pause and go on a little mini tangent oh yes i picture a sassy little panda at the zoo wearing a polka dot dress and he's carrying like one of those like little umbrellas with polka dots but I, that makes it even pandy better Wandy. yeah and i just see like the little panda kind of like over accentuating the walk and the hips, you know. Oh yeah, Wandy, and he's just oh, this is what that's what I imagine. That's what that goes makes off it even better. I stole it from from comedian <laughs> Christo Stefano because he calls it the Pandy uh, Wandy, but that makes it ten times better that now there's a little. Now I also have this image of a little panda in my head when I think of or say the words Pandy Wandy. Sassy little panda, probably from the south. I can imagine, you know. Very, very Southern Bell ish. Yes, this, this pandy wandy. It also does sound kind of like a like a like a dance. Oh yeah, do the do, do the, the pandy wandy. Yeah, do, do the pandy wandy, everybody. Yeah, and that's when you 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 flip your hips as hard as you can, and you just you just go back and forth on the hips. I, it it feels pounding. very hip oriented. Yes, like <laughs> it's got this. It's almost got like a fifties. Uh, beach vibe to it to me, like the pandy. Oh, oh, dude, the yeah. pandy wandy. Oh, Annette Fudicello was yeah, always did the pandy wandy. Yeah. She would do the World voice for the animated pandy wander. Mm -hmm. Remember, that's how everybody talked back in the oh, yeah, Does everybody do the panda, do the pandy wandy. Pandy wandy, it's awfully handy now. Pandy wanda, yeah. <laughs> See this total like now that you remember remember it was the Beach Boys because of your foray into the musical arts, I expect this to be your next single, the Panda Panda. No, 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 I don't know about that. Why I have one amazing song in me per life. We'll be eagerly anticipating it. your sophomore album. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you know, yeah. So as far as. It is worrisome, this AI business, this business, but it is also known to make mistakes frequently. Uh, it is not quite ready to roll out there and take anyone's jobs just yet, but I am at least kind of glad that the right people are already out front of this. Because the last thing we want is a new sort of bill gates slash jeff bezos slash you know uh elon musk level billionaire who is the first to package this ai in a way to just easily replace you know a crew of 30 that you once had narrow it down to a professional who knows how to use the software really well a director uh, probably a composer just so that you can get the right, you know, at least a musician of some kind so to kind of go like, yeah, the AI did an excellent job. You can use that. That sounds good. <laughs> just people who can authentic like authenticate 
how close to real it is. And I feel like that's who's going to be the next inventor of antivirus, the next people who invented and got rich off of like, you know, malware software because it's annoying as shit and it can kill your computer. So we all just have it now. And AI could just be that new thing. It's like, I got my AI analyzer 2.0, just going to feed this YouTube link through it. And it's going to tell me that with 99% certainty, this is fake. You know what I mean? Like somebody's going to figure it out. They're going to, they're going to reverse engineer the AI and it won't destroy humanity, but we'll have a whole bunch of rich new assholes putting out. No, let me take that back. Very few rich new assholes replacing just thousands of who knows how many artists who will possibly lose their job. Maybe not even deservingly. So if you paid the artists probably put forth a much better product, but AI, if it gets them just close enough and it's that much cheaper and a pain in the ass to deal with than a unionized group of human beings, uh, maybe it'll sacrifice that like 1% non-authentic feeling script that it just churned out. How, how do you feel about it? I mean, now I've, well, I've gone on for at uh, least 15 minutes. Well, just no. The ramblings of a bad man. This is, no, this is, the, this, and that was one of the things that I knew about this topic and why, I mean, even, I mean, like, I, I like our format of keeping things to the time limit that we have. So this isn't something I want to just bleed over. And, but this is when I was like, yeah. okay, this is, this is the first of probably a number of conversations yeah. where this is. Yeah, this should be like AI discussion volume one yeah. part one of well because knows how many of us because it's gonna i mean it's gonna keep evolving because i think uh, there's there's a couple things i think especially from what you touched on with uh some of the stuff with streaming that's that's a big part i mean like we went from broadcast tv and movies the way yeah. that we had them to this whole new world when streaming came along and yeah. most of us didn't really, I mean, we transitioned to that pretty seamlessly. I mean, like if there was any formal uh, notation of how we moved away from how we consumed entertainment previously, it's, it, it would be under the banner of cut the, cut the cable, cut the cord. Like when people really yeah. started moving away from, I have a, I have cable, I have basic cable, I have, you know, whatever to, oh, here's. The, I just cut the cord. Yeah. These are the Literally, streaming services. I just cut it. Maybe not even a week ago. Yeah. I cut it for the first time ever. Now I'm now I'm relying on a, an, an app. Exactly. <laughs> Basically, an app or a combination of apps to to provide me all of what I used to have by having cable TV or a dish. And in in conjunction with that, because I think one of the things, because I've I've heard people talk about it here and there, but I think one of the things that we've that we've realized less and it's probably been over the uh, to me i feel like it's been over the last few years is the way uh, the just personally how we consume it, uh, entertainment not not necessarily even the format but how, it used to be that there were the big shows there were big shows big movies and we and because i feel like one of the things we've really removed from the lexicon is fomo the fear of missing out Oh, this is the show everybody's talking about, or this is the new movie that I got to go see, or this is whatever whatever it was. I need to be tuned into this, and I don't feel like that's as big of a deal anymore because we have so much content. Everyone realizes I can't watch it all. I can't see everything. You know, speak speaking of FOMO, it's still a thing in my opinion. Even with all of these 
streaming services and you you kind of feel like oh well these are just going to be on their service in perpetuity that's not the case at all because if you if you pay attention to the streaming services they're cutting way 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 back they're not only are they axing new projects they're also eliminating uh things from their catalog that they made themselves like willow that show willow that came out well you know they axed it for any season two and now they've announced they're removing it from Disney Plus. You can't even watch it on Disney Plus anymore. Not even a year removed from it being canceled. And I think it'll find a. I, I believe it's gonna possibly go to something like Freebie or Tubi, so that it's not that it will never ever be shown anywhere again. But now you have to find it. Now you have to depend on a, something like a uh, Just Watch, where it and that's not perfect. It it, it obviously can't go out and, and find everything but it does a pretty good job. Uh, But you know what I mean? Like it's, you would just assume that it's going to be on Disney plus forever, even if they decide not to make a season two. And since the physical media is becoming a less, like a thing less and less. Now the FOMO is real for the, uh, this newest generation of uh, media consumers. You know, they, they would tease the physical. I noticed Uh, they, they would tease those who collected physical media and now it's coming back around and biting them right in the ass because those arguments of the people from the physical, physical media are starting to come true now. Like, well, okay, yeah, you bought it now, but what happens when ownership changes hands and they don't technically own it anymore? And now this and now that. You, you can't even watch the thing you paid for. Yeah. Because it, it's, now it's just up in the air. Who knows where it's going to land? And it's, it's not their responsibility to check up with you and make sure you know where your stuff's going. You, you just may have lost it any, even after you paid for it. So who wins now? Like nobody wins. Do we, do we go back to the physical media style? <laughs> it's well, and that's, I mean, it's, it's interesting to try and figure out, okay, how, how does, how does everything move forward? Because the, the other part of the streaming is the fact that all of the streaming services, you know, as it stands, nobody really has to release the information on the, on their in-house you know, like, oh, here's like with with all the other stuff, the, the way that they would gauge, you know, how many people watched a particular show or, you know, we yeah. will focus on box office numbers. I mean, that's still a thing. But like with streaming stuff, they don't have to they don't have to or, and they don't. I think they use that to their advantage to not tell yeah. people, oh, here's how many millions of people watch this or here's how they'll they'll use the numbers if the narrative fits. But you're yes. right. They keep they keep it as to how the numbers what it means to them internally they keep that a secret and so, so we can't go oh well the we they spent this amount of money how many times does it have to be streamed like how do you break even yeah like, how does that even factor because uh, with movies in cinema it's easy to factor you you sell a ticket and you divvy the the, pro, the proceeds from the ticket up into their groups and then that money goes to those groups and and but when it even even for people like us, I mean, like you, I mean, there's a, a pretty standard breakdown of like, okay, here's the production budget of the movie. You can basically double that for print and advertising, and then yeah. you then the theaters themselves get what is it, fifty percent of the ticket sales. So it's like, okay, when you're dealing with a movie, you can within some degree of reason, uh, yeah, see dollar wise, like okay, if I know some of these factors, I can do the math. I could see, oh, this is how much the studio, this is how much Fox made on the, or how much Disney, because Fox doesn't exist anymore. This is how much Disney made on this. This is how much Warner Brothers made on that. 
And, and it's comforting because it's never changed. Yeah. Inflation will change the size of the numbers. Yeah. But in terms of what you spend, like, I think that formula rings true always. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you bought, you paid so much money just to put it on a reel, you know, just the manufacturing of the product. And then you have to advertise the yep. product. And that isn't free. You know, you got to go get your billboards up. You got to go and get your commercials on TV. You got to go and cut your theatrical trailers. And you, you just got to spend a bunch of money getting the word out. Um, but with streaming, it's generally just advertised and it's on its own home page. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's stuff that comes out that I'm like. It's been an adjustment. I've never even I was like if I don't right. if I don't go if I don't log into Netflix you know which I don't as much anymore but it's like if I'll go to Netflix like what are all these I have no idea what any of these things are right and I pay this attention one, this to was it was released six years ago like had this like been heat. on your streaming service when did he, when did years? Heat come out <laughs> Heat have you seen Heat it's amazing. <laughs> But it's it's <sighs> the I think I, I laughed, but that was a what you haven't seen that for me <laughs> shamefully. <laughs> well, but I I think I think even that I mean like you know we will still experience that and people still experience that I think with older stuff, but I think that's where some of that like you know when people come to me as like hey have you watched this I'm like I don't even know I've not even heard of that I don't even know. I was right. like oh it's on you know and even like thankfully some of because uh, I will I'm not like the you know the uh, the the poster child for Tubi, but I do I do tell people because especially because it's free, it's like it's not just. I mean, I think maybe when they started, they might not have had a great catalog, but you can find a lot of really decent movies, especially older movies. You know, not like real old, but like you can find a lot of good stuff on free services. That like okay, if you don't want to pay for fifteen different things to stream stuff, um, yeah, there's a number of free services that are actually decent that you can watch good movies on. Um, yeah, honestly, Tubi customers had it better than I had it as a kid paying full price oh, yeah. for whatever cable was offering in, you know, the the late 90s or the mid 90s. Way better. So, yeah, but we, we poo-poo it because it's not. It's not one of the big the, ones. It's not. Oh, it's not no, Netflix. Exactly. It's not Hulu. It's not a name brand. Yeah. It's, not. it's the. You know, Star Crystals cereal. You know, it's oh, that's is that supposed to be like Lucky Charms? Oh, it's got cereal, it's got marshmallows, but it's Star Crystals. You know, it's like oh, yeah, exactly. It's like okay, so it's like an off brand. It's this like is the first it's movie good. financed by a, a cereal. Yes, first time ever. Brought to you by Lucky Charms. But it, it, <laughs> one of the things, one of the things that it will make me curious. I mean, like one of the places that my mind has been going to a lot lately, and I haven't seen it in a while. But thinking about the movie Wall-E, and just kind of like how humanity gets to this point where, like, you put them on a cruise ship, and it's all. I mean, and I'm not a small guy, but it's like you put all these people in their their own floating recliner where they have unlimited snacks and entertainment, and they just kind of float around on this intergalactic cruise ship, and they think everything's fine. And it's like, when, well, they hope everything. They hope everything's fine. fine. Just, they, right. they have no idea what's really going on, and I think that's oh, not that not nor did they ever have a doubt that it wouldn't get resolved. Probably. Yeah, and so there's there's a part where it does make me curious. As I'm like, okay, if people, you know, if people don't really care what the, what the product is that they're getting, as long as it's entertaining, 
was like in watching yeah. watching Fast X and making. I mean, it was you know more hyperbole making a joke that it could have been written by an AI. It's like it's not. I mean, like if you go and watch the movie, it's like it's fun and I I enjoy it. But it's not well yeah. written. It's not great acting. It's yeah. not wonderful dialogue. It's like oh no, it's a car chase. That's too bad boring. because I feel like since five, there's been this kind of the writing just has to be a little bit okay, and then the the stars will shine bright. And the action will be choreographed just perfectly. And there'll be just enough spectacle on screen where we'll just give them enough credit for kind of treating this gang of former VCR like thieves like they were involved in a ring of like V. Like, did, wasn't that kind of the thing in the first Fast and Furious? Oh, yeah. They, I mean, it's just, it off was street racing and they were stealing were... TV VCR combos out of trucks. <laughs> That's right. Ludacris showed up in the second one and he just ran a garage. By the fifth one, he was <laughs> hacking into government computers. And I'm like, this was never like he had an afro and a garage. There was <laughs> there was not like, oh yes, and also part time. Is, is it Justin Lin? Like, do you know? Does he write the things that he directs? Is he one of those guys? I don't he may have he may have been involved in some of that process. Because uh, that he seems to be the common thread, and I know he's not involved anymore, right? Like, is he he, he was he was involved in a few of them, though. Well, yeah, but like I think he did. So right, so he did. Didn't he do Tokyo Drift? I thought or I thought he was later else. in the process. I could be wrong, but hmm. I was thinking for some reason that like he started it with Tokyo Drift and then just sort of kept going until just kind of somewhat recently, I believe. And well, he might have. Maybe he was. Maybe he was involved with Tokyo Drift. But his he first was a producer on Fast game, X. Like, oh, he was a. Well, I mean, that's just. Uh, I feel like that's just something you you pay a guy to go. Yeah, I was involved in this. You know, I don't know how much these guys are actually involved. Like when Steven Spielberg passes to do the Dial of Destiny, is he really even involved in anything? Was anymore? he even on set? Yeah. Did you have a Zoom meeting one time with him? I'm sure he came on set a few times because, you know, Spielberg's still working, no doubt. I mean, he just released a major movie. <laughs> okay, so uh, the last <laughs> Justin Lin did the screenplay for F9, The Fast Saga, and Fast X. He directed okay. Tokyo Drift. He directed Fast and Furious. He directed Fast yep. 5, Fast and Furious yep. 6. And he directed Fast and 9. And then it went to somebody... Yeah, and then it went to somebody else for seven and eight. Somebody did seven and eight. Uh, 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 what's his face? Um, the uh, James uh, Juan. Juan. James Juan yeah. did seven and eight. Yeah, he did. He did one of them. Yeah, that's, I remember that now. I think he did the first one with Statham. What didn't he when he was the bad guy? Yeah, Statham was. Yeah, uh, Statham was seven. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh well, then never mind. <laughs> that wasn't him. <clears throat> or he might have been he might have been at the end of just six go blending together <laughs> i'm excited for 10 like i love that it's i love they still make them and i love that hopefully they'll just because you know then diesel's come out i like when they when the the people who are involved with have the highest stake in a in a franchise like a movie franchise like a tom cruise with mission impossible or in this case like a vin diesel with fast and furious um he's just so invested in it and he's coming out and he's saying like yeah, these movies are still making like upwards of around a billion dollars, but we do have a ending in sight. It, it it just shows this like sort of little 
tiny MCU level uh, of of forethought, you know, planning out, mapping, and they'll they'll fill it in as they go. But they they have like the the perfect kind of broad strokes to get to the end of the story. And he's like, I know there's another one coming out really soon, so they must have filmed X like ten and eleven at the same time, probably. And you know they'll have it up the new one turned around and going. And then I think there'll be one more. I think after that. Uh, I mean, as as it stands, as of uh, as of yesterday, or no, as of Monday, uh, internationally, it's already made three hundred forty-four million dollars. Okay. Uh, but that's not enough to keep making movies. I don't think that that alone. I mean, I know it's new. That's <laughs> and that's good for just like one weekend. Yeah, it's gonna do well. It's gonna do fine. I think these the Fast and Furious movies are better than a Marvel movie as far as how long it sticks around and continues to make. Maybe not they, and they do really, money, really, really well overseas. They do really well in they, China. They always have. They they have always done really well overseas. Um, everybody loves cars. What can I say? That if, if you think about it, cars is just one of those. You know, like people in America love baseball, but most other Europe like Europeans love soccer. Well, and it's like, and- okay. That's 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 where I that's where I get curious because I'm like okay, if if this is a movie franchise, if you can drop Fast X, and like I said, I mean it's fun, watch it, enjoy it. I mean if you want to watch, like if you're like oh I'm I'm hoping for some really good cinema, like good grip. Like no 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 no, no. this is not. But I'm like if this movie makes a billion dollars, and I'm like because the thing is, uh, like because uh, I was thinking about it the other day, is like if you take out the big names. And you take out the budget for all of the the bigness of the things that they do, and you're, you're like, all right, let's reduce this to like the lowest common denominator we can. If you replace the actors with equally uh, capable actors, just less no, lesser known, and mm-hmm. you you dial down the explosions and all the other stuff, but still keep that as, a, as like I think the thing is then you're watching um, a a glorified soap opera. Because the thing is like uh-huh. the, the craziness yeah. of what's going on. You're like, okay, this isn't. De- it is very soapish. It's. I mean, it's. It's kind. Of, I mean, it's wildly ridiculous. The things they're doing. It's just fun. We're like, oh look, there's big. There are big names. Big things happening. And when you see, because I saw it in a big screen, and they don't even care. It doesn't no. seem like they like with the Han explanation on how he was. Yeah, they're like, yeah, he was dead, dead but it was it was a I hologram. Felt like I think waving. Big time, right? Yeah. Like, oh, now we're gonna have a flashback that explains, like, we saw Han die for sure, but this is how they got out of it, and then they showed it with like the Mister was it uh, friendly, Mister Nobody, or no, Mister Nobody. So they should have a Mister Friendly. <laughs> Mister Nobody but used like it- a hologram or something. It was like, oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah, that checks out. Han's back. Cool. We're yeah. good. It's like, but you know what I mean? It's like, what? No. You can't come up with anything better than that. That's got to be there's got to be a better way. That's that's what makes me curious because it's one of those things like okay, if you were able cuz I mean there's there's uh there's people out there know I know right now even even on the creative side of things that are excited about this. One the primary one being Chad Colchin from the Dudesy podcast which I love and would highly recommend because it's all about AI and it's a really great podcast. Um uh, he is he's he's in the Writers Guild of America. He is jazzed, cannot wait for AI because he looks at <laughs> he looks at it as a tool 
just like any other tool, like when we went from yeah. you got to write things out on paper to now you got a typewriter, yeah. now you got a computer, yeah. now we have the internet, yeah. now we have CGI, like a tool that you could use. Like I, if you can interact with AI, like you're saying, if you can give it a good, robust idea, the more information you plug into it, and it has stuff to work off of, and it just spits out something to you, you don't have to spend all that time coming up and cultivating it all and just and typing it all yeah. it will do all of the grunt work for you it seems exciting if you look at it as like a tool yeah and honestly i think if people if writers who people or anyone who's afraid that their job is going to be replaced uh simply because it can write out like decent looking dialogue i think that they'll find that over time the people that would maybe wish to take advantage of that and jump on board will be way too turned off by how much work you still actually have to put into it. Yeah. To make it do the things that's beneficial to a, a, someone who's in the industry. Yeah, like you I think you still need to know how to write. You still need to be a writer. If you just if you went into chat GPT and said make me fast 11, <laughs> it will give you a script, but you won't make it past the second page without just dying. Because you're like, this is absolutely oh my ridiculous. God. This isn't even. It, yeah, AI is just used for a joke now. You could probably tell like AI to do something and then like play back its results and laugh hysterically at it. Because, I mean, you showed me, was it you that showed me the Tom Hanks thing? Oh, yeah, that was from Dudes. Uh, oh, it's horrifying. The oh, yeah. The, Tom the, Hanks looks. The, the image stuff, <laughs> like the, the thing, I think the thing that it concerns a lot of people is the fact that, you know, it, the people that want to dismiss it are thinking that AI will stay exactly as it is right now and won't get any better. Oh no, yeah, and it, it will they won't stop. Yeah, they but it's like, stop. okay, AI a year from now, 3 years from now, 5 years from now, those videos won't be like, oh my gosh, this is Quite horrific. As it's like looking. these no, it'll yeah. be videos you're like, okay, I really didn't want to say this, but I can't definitively tell which one of these is AI and which one isn't. Yeah. And that's when you'll need my like hypothetical software to run it through. Yeah. And I'll be like, Oh, this is, you know, 99% fake. And, and it'll be like a rotten, it'll be like a rotten tomato meter. Like people will know like, Oh my God, man, that, that Tom Hanks video where he was like calling that little boy racist names. Yeah. That, that was only 10% authentic. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like that's rotten. <laughs> well, That's and not real enough. It, I'll, I'll be I'll be interested to see too. It's like okay, if I if I'm a writer and I get because uh, one of the things Chad says a lot is you know the the people right now that are investing time and effort and energy in learning how to interact with AI are going to do yeah. the best. So I'm like okay, if I'm that guy yeah. and I go and I learn this and I learn the nuances of how do I communicate with this thing. And I say, okay, the, here's all the information I, I want to provide you, and I need a script, and I need it to be this long. And, you know, you give it all yeah. the parameters, and it spits something out. You then have avoided a huge bulk of at least the initial work. You're not just going to like, all right, cool, let me run this over to Netflix and see. No, you like somebody that knows what they're doing can then, okay, here's 80 pages, here's 90 pages, here's a script, a full script. Once I read through this, and I doctored up a bit. Okay, instead of me having to come up with every single idea and all of the twists and turns, boom, it spits something out to me in a matter of minutes, yeah. and then I rewrite and it, it. And it'll spit out, like, many different options. And like yeah. Eight, eight out of the ten that it'll give you are stupid and make no sense, but it's those ninth and tenth yeah. that 
either they'll unlock something in you to, you know, like, okay, like, I wasn't thinking of it. Like, this is ridiculous, obviously. I yeah. can't use this, but it's got me thinking. It's like the Captain Holt when Boyle was giving his, like, speech about it's not what you, like, yeah. not what you did, what you did. <laughs> and, uh, and then Holt, it's just like, yes, yes, no, no. The, everything you're saying is nonsense to me, but it made me think of something that I thought of just now. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, what you said are just words that I picked out. I just picked out the word that you just sort of stumbled on accidentally. Uh, but you, you still have to choose. Like, And then it's your reputation that's on the line. Yeah. If you, if you go with the wrong thing, like, oh, that was probably a bad choice. Maybe I won't use that one ever again. Uh, but the, but the point is, you have to tireless, tirelessly plug it in, and you probably have to get really good at because I'm sure the software is also going to have lots of quirks. Um, and anytime like you're dealing with like the first gen of anything, you're gonna have to deal like yeah. with quirks. You have to learn how to use it, and then you have to learn how to like sort of maneuver its quirks because it's exactly. not going to work always intended as. No matter how impressive your your demo is that you show off online uh almost every software has things about it that just suck that they can't fix for some reason and you just have to make creative workarounds to make it a useful tool still but it would be interesting to to you know for you to go and 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 create one of these free accounts and then just try it and it could it could be the difference to help someone who procrastinates or someone who's just bad at organizing things or just, you know what I mean? Like I have good ideas, but I can't organize it in the, like I need someone to write it in the best way possible. Yeah. Take, take my, you know, try, take my effort, my creative try. And then let me, let me give me 10 versions of exactly that, that I think looks sound best. Like, you know, if, if that's the way you want to write, um, that's fine. Whatever. It's probably in a lot of cases good enough to pump out a script for fast X. No offense to whoever actually wrote it, but you know, like insert characters, Dom, Letty. And then you put in several uh, paragraphs of just it descriptive things about those characters and then put in like, here's like, here's the set pieces. Here's the action. This is what I want to accomplish with these characters and the AI like knows knows all about Dom because you fed it all the dialogue from all the other movies. And then, you you know, like all the little extra notes that the current writer wants you to know, like they feed that in and they just pump out a bunch of crap and see what, see what sticks. <laughs> like, like, Oh, that's pretty good. It, it makes, it makes me want to just go to like a chat GPT and literally just tells like, make me a 10th fast and furious movie. And that be the only thing I say to it, and then yeah. have it split spit out a script to me. Read that, then go see Fast X again, and be like, "Huh, it's not that far well, off." But here's the thing that you may or may not know about Chat GPT: like it actually has into it these sort of um, rules to where if it feels like you're violating one of these rules, it'll sort of it'll sort of dress you down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, and one of those rules might be to say, hey, write a sequel to Fast X. It may, and it, it may just come back and get a sort of in a like, oh, don't you think that that you're not respecting the original owners of the IP? Like, you know, it would just give you like some little shaming 
You're like, yeah, I guess you're right, chat GPT. I shouldn't have done that. And then you go back to like, all right, find, find me how to make, a, <laughs> find me the cheapest way to make a Long Island iced tea using ingredients from this location. <laughs> <laughs> and then chat GPT is like, that's better. I'm proud of you for being a good human being. That's what, I'll answer that question. Yeah, that one's kind of sad on another level, but you're not ripping anybody off. So <laughs> I feel like I'll just go ahead and give you, but it would be great if it did learn that like, oh my God, that's like the 12th recipe he's requested for alcoholic beverage this week using <laughs> the ingredients that equal $4. Yeah. The... So maybe it goes like, oh, wouldn't you think that maybe you should have some walnuts and, and drink some water, or some coffee instead? It's like what? Hey, Chat GPT, no. what is this? Uh, this is a list of twelve-step programs that are within the five miles of your residence. All the twelve-step programs in your area. Uh, these are these are the people we, I think you should probably reach out to. <laughs> um, because I I did as a joke go in and like I tried to feed it something, and I I I think I included Sandra Bullock in it. So you can just let your imagination run wild, like what I was telling it to do. And I mean, it wasn't in anything seriously inappropriate, but just the fact that I mentioned her chat GTP was like slap on the wrist. Like now, 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 uh, I'm not going to write masturbatory fan fiction porn. For you. <laughs> That's immoral, Ron. No, That's no, immoral. no. Uh, I just picture the Dennis Nedry. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah, ah. I would love that if that just popped up on the screen like that generic uh uh uh. Uh but there but it's good to know that they're at least trying to code out. And uh, maybe maybe you, maybe you can still do it but you got to work a little harder for it. Or maybe if you buy the premium version of the software they unlocks the morality feature. Yeah, that <laughs> it, it'll it'll for an extra 29.99 a month we'll just turn that pesky thing right off. Well, and cuz I, I think I think especially at the heart of it like that'll be the thing that'll be the thing that, that will be really interesting to see how this how everything with the writers and potentially the actors and all that how that shakes out. Just because okay, there's there's some there's some strength in those numbers if the if SAG uh, and it, especially too like if the directors end up getting involved and if the unions in Hollywood do band together like all right we're not working with the studios until you as, guys I, as they should yeah they really should all band together and uh, so like solidarity is the is the is the word with all of these guys and really really put it to them because like okay if. You know, if this if this technology continues to improve, because uh, I think I think the biggest concern for everybody is they they can see a reasonable expectation of this replacing, if not all of the jobs, a great many of the jobs. I mean, like mm -hmm. there's there would still be. I mean, you're not going to have an AI that can build sets. You're yeah, not going to have an that handy thing that I was just you know talking about. I'm sure if you took all of that and put it into like a LinkedIn, you pull back all these professionals of people who do that yeah. professionally without the help of, you know, pseudo right. And those are the people who are just devastated. I mean, it's crushing, right? Like what there I feel like there's a lot of professions who really are like watching their backs, going, We're like the first probably to go because uh you've 
It's like it, like a programmer too, honestly. I mean, like no programmer should be feeling too safe. Yeah. Um, because you, even though you need somebody smart enough to be able to use the software, like since syntax is learnable by a machine, and if you can just like code it in some dumb versions of like the command you're trying to do, it should be able to put that together reasonably easy. I would imagine. Like here's all the data sources over here, and this is this is my dumb manager version of like what I want. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's going to go, I got you. And it's going to like put together some code and be like, is this close? And it took like five minutes and I'll be like, you know what? That's close enough for me to go and do my presentation. Thanks. Well, Ma- you just put a whole team out of business. McDonald's <laughs> McDonald's has constructed the, uh, their first and it's, I forget when they opened it. It's been in operation for at least a little while. I feel like it might be in Texas. I'm not sure, but they have a fully automated, no human uh, McDonald's. Wow. I mean, robots do all of the the food preparation. They have a drive through. You order at one of their touchscreen menus. If you're in in the McDonald's, you use the app. You know, whatever it is. And it's like, and it's fully one hundred percent automated. There are no humans that work there. So it's you're going to see some major innovations in the fast food industry because. That was an industry that just recently got a shot in the arm in wages. You know, like you can actually earn a decent wage working for like a McDonald's. Yeah. Whereas before you really had no chance. And um, now you're starting to see an interest in that all the full automation so that they don't have to pay. Um, I mean, you know, what is I, I came up as a young as a teenager in the service industry. Like I worked fast food. I did my time. And it's and it's like work and I'll just say it's just like work any moron can do. You don't have to be a smart man yeah. or woman to make a good living in fast food. Or at least maybe not a good living, I don't mean that, but you, you can thrive in your job in fast food with probably no like you could not do anything else in life. You have no other skills but McDonald's has taught you the skills just so well enough. You could just have a nice, long, fruitful, maybe you work your way up to manager of the store, whatever. But you're you're fine. But now you're threatening to take all that away because this fucking experimental store in Texas is going fully automated. And now you look at that and you go, God bless it. Now I got to go back to school. <laughs> well, and and again, it, it'll work here anymore. It'll be it'll be one of those things. It's like the um, I remember, you know, uh, I think it just came to me thinking about uh, the movie You've Got Mail. Um, you know, the the whole thing is Tom Hanks is the Fox Books, you know, the big uh, warehouse store, and Meg Ryan is the you know she's the small store owner the mom and pop place the you know she's got the personalized touch but ultimately what ends up happening is the mom and pop place goes out of business because people because the the business goes to the warehouse place they don't have the same know-how they don't get the same level of service but you can go and you can get a coffee and you could buy a tote bag and you could buy you know this you could get any book you want like that was the whole thing was they put this mom and pop place out of business that had the personalized touch that had all of these things going for it. But the people in the end, what they wanted was the convenience and the cheap prices. So it's one of those things yeah. that that'll be what is int- what, what will be interesting to me. Cause we're, that's a, a big part of the narrative now is, you know, the movies that do well in theaters now 
are somewhat relegated to the blockbusters, the big ones, the big studio ones, mm-hmm. not the, you know, like we're having to, we're no, seeing nobody has the time or money or patience yeah. to make the smaller movies. We're, and and it has to be kind of in conjunction with streaming. You see these streaming services that have these huge budgets for, for producing their own content, um, right. which seems like they should be the place for the smaller budget films. You say, okay, well let's do dramas and comedies at Netflix and the big, but you yeah. know, the studios can do the big budget stuff, but the stuff that right. these, uh, I mean, some of the stuff that the streaming services, but not all the studios have a franchise yeah. worth in sinking $250 million. In. And, and people, <clears throat> I mean, even, I mean, even, you know, we talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the way that people used to talk about something, an institution as huge as Marvel and the way they just are kind of dismissive. of it was like, ah, the show is kind of okay. It's like, okay. When you you're watching the 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 way people interact with this is like okay this doesn't make me feel as happy and as yummy as it used to what else do you have I was like this stuff used to blow people away and I'm like eh, mm-hmm. it was okay I mean eh. yeah. I mean hearing people just like Ant Man on the Wasp Quantumania, they're like oh it's such a waste it was that was a piece of garbage I'm like okay no it's well, not it's a piece the, of it's garbage the slow intro it's the incremental upage of quality yeah that we're just used to seeing now like now we we have so much right so when they make these new changes in technology and it's an improvement but we're just unimpressed because it doesn't look that much more impressive than what we got it like a month or two ago whereas it used to be with big movies you you might have to go five six years in between release so they really have time to vet things out, make it good, learn how to use the technology even better. But I mean, who's to say that the way it goes now is not better? Because I mean, now, now you just pay for like a an engine or a suite or whatever. Yeah. Or in in like Disney's case, they bought that, invested in that studio, the Hive or whatever they call it. Yeah. And they just keep reusing that over and over and over again. And really, the the main limitation is just how realistic can you make your foreground sets look to blend in with the surround basically what essentially replaces the green screen now it's just like a an actual screen now but they you still have to have practical sets built on it and then they have to clear that out lay down all new set load up whatever the background's supposed to be and then you know like when you watch a show like the mandalorian and you watch it with that in mind you you can very you can start to see like oh now, I can't see the seams. It's very good, but I can see how they probably did this now. I, can, I don't know how they did it, but I can imagine it yeah. in a way whereas I couldn't before. Like, why does this just look different? Why does this look better than green screen? Oh, I see what they did. Now I, can, I can't unsee it now. <clears throat> and some people want to criticize that even. We can't all be James Cameron. We, yeah. We all can't sit back for 10 years and wait for some groundbreaking technology to come along. I don't know if we've had one to come along since CG. Honestly, we're just getting a little bit better and a little bit better every year and year over year, a little bit better. So, and that doesn't have to be a horrible thing. No, let's take that time that we were spending trying to make the visuals look that much better and invest it instead in story. That would be, Oh, that would be a novel idea. It would be a novel idea. And it's something that people used to have to do before they could just whip up a fantasy world that they just thought up 
you know, you hire a graphic artist team or like a special effects team and they just build a world for you from your man, like pulled from your words to their, to through their talents, you see this world now, which has got to make George Lucas so incredibly jealous and upset. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to have the technology where he is now. He's like, I never would have sold Star Wars, damn it. Um, but no, that is an interesting topic of it. Yeah. Glad you brought that up because that is very much on the, the the forefront of the news now, which we're we're mostly paying attention to it in the entertainment world, but it's the political ramifications that scare me the most. That's what freaks me out about AI. It's like how it could be used to manipulate. Well, I mean, and it's not even hard to manipulate uh, people on social media, but when you start putting these like very authentic looking versions of lies in front of a group of people who are just looking for those lies to be validated so they could continue to do bad things. That's when AI scares the crap out of me. It's not necessarily that we're going to be overthrown by an army of robots. It's like the, the fact, the fact that nobody, um, that nobody wants to invest in determining if something is true or untrue anymore does not lend itself to be very reassuring. No, the best thing we have now still is like Snopes, and it looks like a website from the nineties. So. I, and I can't, I can't remember if I referenced it because I remember bringing this up recently, and I can't remember if it was on here or not. But it was a few years ago. I think it was the I think NPR did it, but they put out on uh, on social media. I know I I saw it on Twitter. I'm pretty sure, um, but it was a post of a link to an article, and the uh, the the headline on it was how people don't read anymore. And if you actually, mm, yeah, if yeah. you click on the article and go to it, it was an April Fool's thing. It was like, hey, this is just a joke. Uh, but it was, what was so telling of it was so many people because they didn't It's actually, very easy to manipulate large groups of people. They didn't click on it and read the article and get the joke. They just immediately went and commented. It's like, how, the, this is not the, it's like, okay, but do you realize what you're doing is validating the joke by not reading it? You read the headline and you didn't read right. the article. And like, that's right. the thing. It's like, okay, if you could just put something out there, even if you have to go back later and retract it, you say, oh, yeah, this wasn't true. It's like the, the, the front page thing. <laughs> it's too late, man. Yeah, the front page. People, the attention <laughs> the span of people anymore done. is not long enough to be like, oh, that wasn't true. They don't care. Yeah. It was true in the moment. And that's as much as I needed to. People are going to race. They're going to race to tell yeah. the next person in line. So it's, yeah, it's. It's you add when you it's like the person goes like no is that true and like they never even thought to even think if it was true or no they was just like, like oh uh, well, hey did you see I this think, yeah I just saw it on Facebook so you tell me <laughs> and so, yeah so it's uh, the Pope was wearing a rapper puffy jacket that happened he's changed didn't you his see style. it <laughs> well and that's that's the thing I mean like when I look at what AI could do with images and what it yeah. will potentially and probably be able to do with video at some point I was explaining this to my kids and I was like. And it sucks for you guys growing up because, like, it used to be when I saw a picture, I'd be like, oh, that's a real picture. That's not a real yeah. picture. That's not yeah. the case anymore. I don't know what's real no. and what's not. And with it may be the real thing, but you can't just believe it no. anymore. And so it is like, okay, crap. Yeah. Well, that sucks. All right. Well, that, that was a pretty fun uh, little episode we did there. It was a fun tangent. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll go off on that. We'll go out on this. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Box Office Tangents. This is the AI, and this is the end of the world. <laughs> Let's kick it up a notch. Hang on. I need it. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> oh, well. Keep that in. Keep that in for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was trying to play the T2 theme, right? Yeah. Here, maybe this will be it. <laughs> what the hell is that? That is not... Who's, who Who? composed the Terminator 2 uh, theme song? Is it? Is it this right here? Okay, that sounds more like it. But it sounds horrible. I give up. I give up. <laughs> I'm not going to do this anymore. Fuck it. Mm-hmm.